Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Well, our guests today are Nikki Hatzenbuehler and Erica Thompson. Nikki and Erica are recruiter liaisons with Fostering Together, an organization dedicated to making a difference in the life of a foster child. Nikki and Erica, welcome. Thanks for being here today and thanks for making a difference in those foster children's lives. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a real compelling uh, and hope-driven organization fostering together and the, the really the way you put that mission statement right up front, making a difference in children's lives. And there are a lot of children in our state. Uh, let's start there, I guess, with uh, the basics of foster care, and we'll get into what you guys do fostering together. Uh, how many, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch probably never stop and think about how many kids are really in need of foster care? Any statistics on Washington State? There are about eight, over 8,000 kids that are currently in foster care in the state of Washington. Um, I know from my two counties, Thurston and Mason, there's over 500 kids that are currently in care. Um, and we only have about 180 licensed foster families. So the need is is always there it's not like this sol- this problem gets solved and then we're all done correct it's yeah a- it's an ongoing issue um i handle pierce county and same thing the numbers last year we had 1522 children come into care with approximately you know 650 homes so you're asking each family to take at least two and a half kids um, most are licensed for one hopefully adoption and a lot of these kids the plan maybe return home so you you have to find a really wide it's not the number of homes it's also the variety of homes some that are open to returning kids home and watching reunification some mm-hmm. that are open to adoption some that are medically fragile so you're looking for a, not only the quantity of homes but the diverse quality that will take well let's let's stay with some basics of fostering that and maybe like you said you mentioned adoption for folks listening, the differences, and some are subtle and some aren't, and um, fostering together, you guys try and find homes for foster kids. Foster uh, home is, for the most part, temporary, right? Yeah. For a foster foster home, um, when a child comes into care, um, we don't really know what a permanent plan will be for that child. Um, it may be to return home. Um, if the parent is not doing the services that the state is asking them to do in a timely manner, um, they may switch that plan over to adoption. And so then that child is then placed on a different track, um, either with an adoption family, a pre-adoptive family, or um, they will be um, placed you know, outside of into an adoption agency, I guess. So there's lots of different ways you can be licensed, um, and this is where it gets a little confusing. People um, can either be licensed through the state or they can be licensed through a private agency. Um, the difference is a private agency helps do a little bit more matching for you. So those families that are looking to adopt tend to work with a private agency. Uh, there's a misconception about cost and you know, thinking it's thousands of dollars when in reality it's not. Um, you can go to our Fostering Together website, look under um, foster care and see the list of agencies. Um, or you can just get licensed with the state. You know, if you're just looking to give kids a home, you're not really focused on adoption, you just want to see where it goes, and you feel that you um, 
are empowered enough to ask the right questions about placements. A lot of people do find just going with the state. So all the kids come from the same place and it's a matter of matching them with a home that will meet their needs, whether that be adoption or medically fragile. And often um, some, you know, some children will actually get placed with relatives or we also have a great need for what they call a respite home, which is um, short term placement. Um, So if a you know, if a family is not really sure whether or not they would be interested in doing foster care, becoming a respite provider would be a wonderful opportunity to get involved and help out other foster families because um, those are the people that, you know, take the kids for a weekend when a foster family has to go out of state or um, they can't, you know, do something so they, they are able to take that child in while the foster family is on vacation or, um, yeah, so respite is, is a great need for our family, even if they just need like a date night. You know, a lot of foster parents uh, really need that, that connection time um, that they don't always get. So um, we really look to the members of the community to step up and, and help out with respite. Yeah, so there are a lot of different ways people can offer uh, this service, this, um, mm-hmm. you know, support to our community. Oh, and you guys offer that. And, and so let me back up just a little bit with um, fostering together. So you mentioned the state. The state is always involved in this. And, and you guys are a private nonprofit, though, right? Yes. Okay. We, so you're a, yeah. fostering together is a, I think there's a dot org. You mentioned the website. We could give that out too. dot yeah. org. You're a nonprofit. Fostering together dot org. I should we'll say that right up front. That's the website, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So how are you guys organized? How did you first start as a organization and how do you then work with the state if you know those ins and outs? I don't know if that's your real role there to know all that stuff. But So Fostering Together was, um, is a nonprofit organization that was contracted by the state of Washington to help license uh, families to become foster parents. And then it's kind of our job to help them stay there once they're licensed. Um, we are also community involvement liaisons where we go out into our communities and we work um, with various organizations, speaking um, events to try to rally um, support and community involvement around those foster families and foster children. So um, the state has contract with us for like the last three years, I believe. And we just got another um, contract for the next three years. So um so, yeah, that's pretty much. Because before we came along, every county was just operating on their own, and clearly it wasn't working. So to streamline it, they put out, you know, a contract, and luckily Olive Crest got it and had the Fostering Together program. So here we are, and um, there's liaisons in every county, and we, that's our main role is to not only recruit families but help retain them, get the community involved, just continue to raise awareness about what's going on because – Um, I just know when I was growing up, I never knew any foster children. I did not know anyone who did foster care. And so um, it, you know, when I would hear about it, I was always somewhat intrigued and tugged at my heartstrings. And so when, you know, we got married, it was always sort of a plan of ours to become foster parents. And we really just only got into it to adopt. I mean, I tell people at the trainings that I'm very much like a lot of them. You, I thought I just want to get into it, adopt one child and I'm going to be done. And now here I am, you know, eight years late. We've been licensed for eight years. We've had over a hundred children in our home. We've adopted one about ready to adopt another. And this is my passion. I mean, being the recruiter, sharing what we do, uh, everyone can help foster kids. I mean, y- even if you don't want them in your home, you can do these little pieces here. You can be the respite provider. You can host a drive to collect socks and underwear. I mean, because they all enter with nothing new. So, 
everyone can do their piece to support foster youth. It's just to what capacity you want to do that. And we're here to yeah. connect you with that. And so the, that's, oh, go ahead. No, so the liaisons are the ones that we just kind of help guide you specifically for things in our particular counties. Um, we know the different community partners that we have. Um, and uh, we just, um, we also help um, act as an intermediary when there are problems with foster parents in the state. Um, if there are problems with social workers, we want to be there as a resource for them to give them, you know, the extra support that they need so that they don't feel like they're alone doing this on their own. We don't want them to quit because these kids have already been taken out of a traumatic situation. Right. And so we don't want to put them in one home only to take them out of that home and put them into another. So we do have a lot of, you know, strict guidelines to get people licensed. Yeah. So, so you're the liaison, like you said, you're in different counties, you have different districts and you work with people individually. You yes. get to know people and, and help them then f be the place for uh, to be that loving home for that right. child to make that difference. So you then we've mentioned the words licensing and stuff. So you have to, I guess, help people figure out yeah, first you meet somebody you wanted, you're interested in this. Here are the steps. So what what are the steps? What does it take to be a foster family um, in this state, or is it changed by counties and et cetera? What are some of those details people probably state, never even stop to think about? Yeah, the state requirements are the same for Washington, um, and I encourage anyone who's ever even had an inkling of interest to go to our orientation. That's your first step. The orientation is three hours long. Uh, the liaisons are at it. It's usually put on by the licensors, so it's really made to kind of talk about can you qualify is this going to be for you you know they dabble a little bit on the kids but it's really just about the licensing piece um, if you're still interested after the orientation you would move on to the caregiver core training it's 24 hours and it's in two modules of 12 hours each um, so that again is just learning about the system about the children about what uh, visitation looks like just talking about foster care I mean you probably leave with more questions than you came with, but that's the nature of it. You learn as you go. Um, you do CPR and bloodborne pathogens and a first aid class. You have, of course, turn in your application, and this um, is then assigned to a licensor that will come and do the home study piece uh, with you. Uh, they come to your home a minimum of three times. And it, it's not nearly as invasive. I mean, I was so concerned the first time, but it really – they want you to be licensed. They're not trying to disqualify you. They're trying to approve you. And it, it's very helpful. They, you know, walk through your home, tell you what you might need, what looks good, what, um, you know, you might need a fire extinguisher here or, um, you know, outlet covers here. So it, they're really, it's a, it's a partnership. And then from there, um, you know, usually from when you turn in your application, the goal is to have you licensed within 90 days and ready to accept children. And they also talk to you about what age groups would be appropriate, um, what would best fit your family if you have other members in there. So it really is a team collaborative effort. They want, we need good homes for our kids. So. And as you do these presentations and meet people, what are, are there then, I don't know, character traits, uh, you know, that you can say, oh, you know what, after you get to know somebody, you would be great at this, or you would be better at this style of fostering or something. Do, uh, is there something, I guess I'm asking about what kind of a person <laughs> makes a good foster uh, family, or, or is that answer real broad and like, Anybody can. Yeah, we really, uh, we, we want to have a huge diversity of people because we have such a diverse group of kids coming into care every single day. So if we can have, 
you know, members of the LGBTQ community come in and if we can have members of Native American come in. I mean, we are looking for every particular group. We are not discriminatory in any way, shape or form. Um, you, know, you probably want that diversity. We so want yeah. that diversity. Because that will probably Absolutely. help them, the kids placed in a more yeah, a culturally know, appropriate culturally basin. appropriate that's the phrase yeah. i'm looking yeah, for. And, thank and you so much <laughs> one of the main things i get from people i mean i really keep talking about putting out a list of misconceptions because people always say oh i can't do it i'm single i'm like perfect we'll take you you can be single the state pays for child care mm-hmm. um you know we we have support groups in fact uh, in my county we're talking about getting a support group together just for the people who are single and doing this so then they can build their own little village great um you know people are like well i'm you know i'm gay I, I don't think we can do that because I know other states have not allowed it. No, Washington, we, we just need everyone. We need mm-hmm. um, more culturally diverse. We need medically fragile. So we kind of try to get into oh, maybe because um, some, some kids of the are, hospital- have medical problems and you have. Yes. have a family that knows how to handle that. Absolutely. Okay. That's not, you know, like me, I would panic having to do a G-tube or any of those terminology when I read on the description of the kids, I start to panic. I don't even like to administer medication myself. Um, you know, EpiPens, at one time I did respite and the kid needed EpiPen and I, the whole weekend I was on edge where oh. some people would much rather do that than deal with diapers or deal with teens. So everyone finds their niche. So you ask about personalities and I think you sort of learn over time. Um, when we first started, our daughters were nine and eight. So we were only doing five to seven. And then as they grew older, our scope changed and, you know, you add children to the mix and then you're like, okay, well, I'm not only going to take underage two. So I think, you know, or maybe you take a teen and then you find out, wow, I really do well with this age group. I'm going to become the expert and I'm going to only take teens. So I've seen it happen. And that's why um, Nikki had mentioned respite earlier. I think that's a great way for people who are just getting into it. Um, Mm -hmm. You have a start date and an end date. You know, I'm just going to take this kid for this week while the foster family is on vacation. And maybe you're gung-ho, like, I want to take a sibling group. And then you take a sibling group for respite. And you're like, wow, that was a bit much. Maybe we'll just do one kid or vice versa. You think you only want babies. And you do that and you think, you know, I think I'll take school age. So respite's a great way to, for lack of a better term, test drive some kids' age groups and see what will work for your family. Test drive them. Yeah, well, I mean, before (laughs) you do it long term, that's good. But that's an excellent point. And that's an awesome um, opportunity that you offer. mm -hmm. uh, Go over some of those others. Respite care, emergency shelter care, uh, intensive treatment foster care. What do some of those differences mean? There's different ways people can get involved. Yeah, so I know for my my child, um, when he first came into care, he was foster care and then we eventually adopted him, but he was um, a medically fragile child that was heavily drug affected. And so for the first three months of his life, he was fighting for his life um, in the Kent PIC, which is the prenatal intensive care unit, because he was addicted to five different types of drugs while in utero. Mm. And so um, so just having that awareness and knowing the types of therapy that I was going to be required to take that child to when I first received him into my home, um, the tremors that he would have, the, the doctor's appointments, the millions of doctor's appointments that um, we asked foster parents to, you know, put on a happy face for and take these kids to um, every single week. Um, I know that that was a very big deal for my family. I had never um, been around a child with drug exposure before. I I didn't know the kind of quirks and the different um, mannerisms that my child would even, you know, when we got him when he was five months old and he's now three and 
now he's just starting to um, display different things that we thought, oh, well, he should have never displayed that because he's been with us since he was five months old. Well, you just never know. And so it's an ongoing thing. You're, you're constantly working with professionals. You're constantly working with doctors um, for many of these children and uh, therapists for older children that have been through extremely traumatic or abusive situations. Um, so, you know, so those are some of the things that um, you'll come across whenever whenever you bring a child into your home. We are speaking this morning about finding homes for children who have found themselves without a safe place to live for a while with uh, Nikki Hatson-Bueller and Erica Thompson. They are from Fostering Together. And like we said, you guys are recruiter liaisons in, is it Pierce and Thurston and Mason counties? Mm-hmm. Okay, but there are folks in every part of Western Washington doing this, right? Yes. Um, fostering Together on the internet, right? That's the best way for people yep. to find out more. Get in touch. Yep. FosteringTogether.org. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so your recruiters, I'll let you then go into your spiel. Um, <laughs> when you meet, you know, hey, you're around a group of people all of a sudden. Hey, what do you do? What do you? Oh, I work with fostering together, and you might be. I mean, how do you get that? And how then do you the start? first what thing people say is, "Oh, I've always wanted to do that, but I would just get way too attached." Is and that really what? Absolutely. Of, if I had a dog, I'd be rich if I had a dog. Oh, and so what's the answer to that? Go ahead and get attached. I would. Yeah, say. and and that, I say perfect. Then you're exactly the type of foster parent we need. The ones who we don't need are the ones who just think putting a roof over a child's head and feeding them qualifies because we do have those homes. I mean, if you can make the criteria. You need to be the type of foster parent that, like Nikki was talking about, the medical appointments. You're going to be the advocate for your child, and you are fighting for the best interest, whatever that may be. And what I call it is I have a passion for permanency, whether that means being placed with relatives, going back to parents, um, being adopted. I mean, I want kids to be where they need to be as quickly as possible. So being a foster parent, you wear a lot of hats. I mean, you are taking care of this child and some people, you know, it, it can be frustrating. It can be sad and you watch them hurt, but there's also some really amazing to me, success stories. You know, like I said, we've had a, over a hundred kids, so we've seen really everything. Um, right now, one of our kiddos, his mom's doing amazing and she's in the treatment center. She's, um, moving up through the phases. Like you would not believe she's getting awards. I mean, this has been the best thing that could have ever happened to her to realize that she can be clean and healthy and he's eight and he's going to be get, you know, hopefully returning home. And it's such a beautiful thing. We Skype every Monday cause she's, um, in a different County and I just love giving her positive praise as well because a lot of the parents whose kids are in care it's they haven't they've had a lack of parenting or else they probably wouldn't be here so I find partnering with the parents you're just going to make a better community so for us I mean it doesn't always happen I'm not saying it's always rosy there's been plenty of parents that I knew that they were not going to get their kids back and I fought hard to just you know please just go away and let give your kid a chance at a normal life um, instead of coming in and out, but the ones who can do it, it's so awesome to rally around them. And, yeah. um, and I never would have thought that when I first started, you know, I, my mindset has completely changed over the years watching this happen. So that's a, a kind of, I don't know if that's an important question to people who sign up for this. Not where do these kids come from? What kind of backgrounds does it matter to you to, to tell them it doesn't really matter or does it when you have to say, here's what you have to be prepared for because they do or don't come with this baggage, but they all have I suppose some kind of baggage, that's why they're in need. And and then I guess you can keep talking about those other stakeholders, not just the biological parents you have to be in contact with. There's no doubt caseworkers mm-hmm. and state people. And I don't know if 
there's school people you work with or healthcare providers sometimes too. Yeah, I mean, you're naming them all. Okay. You forgot yeah. CASAs and guardian ad litems yeah, and so court process. But. For for me, for my son, like for my son, for example, he had a he had a social worker. We went through six in six months, six wow. different social workers. So there's not only a turnover in foster parenting because it's such a, a high demand and stressful thing to do, but there's such a high turnover as well for for uh, social workers because the caseload um, is supposed to only be 15 to 18 kids per per social worker. And on average, they're averaging about 40 to 45 kids per caseload. That's how many kids. Wait a minute. Can you say that again? I I couldn't have heard that right. (laughs) So the average caseload for a social worker should only be 15 to 18 children. And on average, they're averaging between 40 and 45 kids. Wow. Each county, not just in my two counties, but in every county. And so, you know, social workers, there is a lot of turnover. So you know, on average, you can expect to see, you know, one to three social workers possibly in the time that you have a child in your home that you're caring for before they return home. And then my, then we also, because I was with a private agency, I had a, you know, a, a case manager for the private agency that, and we had to meet with them once a month. And then just for my son, we had eight different doctors and therapists that we were seeing on a weekly basis. Um, in addition to all of that, in addition to um, their court appointed Advocate, which is the CASA or the guardian ad litem that meets on a uh, regular basis with the judges in the state. Um, so, and, and that's just for one child. And I have I have a daughter, you know. So, you know, my family's life. So you see how crucial yeah. it is, though. Really, like as the foster parent, you may be the only person. I mean, that knows from the very first meeting what's gone oh. on because the players change, yes. and so there'll be times when. You know, I have a kiddo for a length of time and all the players have changed and they're talking about something. I'm like, what about that aunt that was on that first phone call? We need to call her. Why can't she be a placement option now that things are not going? You know, so it's you have to be so involved. You can't for me, foster parenting. I just look at it like everyone can leave their mark on this planet. And for me, I want it to be in my community and with the kids that hopefully can, you know, become productive citizens and maybe their parents too. And so, I mean, that's, that's the hardest part about it is it is does you do hear the horror stories, but there's so many, I wish they would talk about the good stories because I've seen so many and adoption. I mean, adoption is beautiful. And so, you know, our son that we adopted, not our plan at all. And it ended up being a baby that we brought home and he did go home, but mom realized she was overwhelmed was already parenting his older brother and was expecting a new baby. And she actually asked us to adopt him. And we still stayed in open contact. And I mean, we were the ones who brought him home. He was very bonded to us. That doesn't always happen, but it shows you that having those open lines of communication, sometimes people realize that they have enough that they can handle. And it just, it made for a better, I mean, his life was changed because of, I think us opening our minds, embracing the mother, um, I want to go back to what you had asked about um, what kind of kids and what you can expect. That's another thing that a misconception is that people, I had someone just email me today asking like, do I have a say in the type of children that I take? Absolutely. They don't just show up on your doorstep and say, here you go. You signed up for foster care. Now, good luck with this kid. You can be very specific about like, like I said, I don't do medically fragile. I'm panicked by those type of things. I don't do sexually aggressive or physically aggressive children. There's homes that specialize in that. They do special trainings. They're compensated 
for those type of behaviors. Um, I don't do babies anymore. Um, you know, everyone kind of finds their niche. I personally don't do children that have been severely, severely physically abused because I know my husband and his mindset that he could never wrap him wrap his mind around returning that child home. So we prefer to take kids that are drug affected because you can stop doing drugs and you can get some tools in your parenting toolbox and become an awesome parent. So we're we're much more comfortable with that. So again, I think it's you find what you're, you know, some people like teens. Like I said, they like the drama <laughs> or they like boys, you know, all the video games and all the food that they go through and so that that's what they're good at. And so um, before we run out of time, we're going to have a couple minutes left. I want to m- make sure we talk again so th- about the need here. So there are different kinds of uh, homes. You can license yourself for one child, three child, you know. Up to what, six. Up to six. So mm-hmm. those needs must be, we talked about different uh, diversity, but that's where a need is too, right? I mean, uh, siblings, you don't want to break we, up. Uh, that's got to be tough. We do unfortunately have to break up quite a few siblings because we do not have enough licensed foster homes. And so sometimes we even have to send these children out of county, which is heartbreaking. Um, so if we can get people to open up their hearts and their homes to more than one child, preferably two to three on average, it seems like sibling sets come in groups of twos or threes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get the occasional uh, sibling group of six or seven. Yeah. I say, or you bring your friend, you and your friend do it, and you can share sibling groups. That's what yeah. my, we got my mother-in-law to get licensed. So we'll take the older two, and she likes the babies because she's retired. So we've partnered. We've taken now three different sibling groups together. And, so. and other ways than for people who can say, I want to help, but I'm not going to be a licensed person. What are other ways they can support um, fostering together or just being fostered, you know, the whole big picture of how to how to help people? Yeah. So what we um, encourage people to do is connect with their local liaison. We have lots of different programs. We do. Um, socks, diapers, underwear drives. We drive out into the community, um, pick up coats, pajamas. I just had 12,000 school supplies donated in Thurston County from a local church. Um, So we go door knocking and we've even had Girl Scouts um, donating Girl Scout cookies to foster kids. This is something I get. I want to say this, but we are going to run out of time. These kids show up in an emergency situation with nothing. A they trash don't have bag. A, a trash bag it's is, that. is I mean, what their life is. They don't have the pajamas, the socks, the toothbrush, the toothbrush, diapers. The brush. If they're picked up from school, our eight-year-old just got picked up from school. He came with what he wore that day and yep. uh, his backpack. And so that's a constant. That's got to be every day. An ongoing that, that, need. Okay, people should keep that yeah. in mind. Yeah, and become a CASA you can, if you don't oh, want to take children in your home. That's an acronym you just... Uh, court, C-A-S-A. Yes, court-appointed uh, special advocate. So you go through kind of a similar weekend training, but you get to talk directly to the judge. You are the eyes and the ears for the court. So it's an amazing program. Um, you can also become an office mom or dad. This is really, sadly, the, the need of all the kids sitting in the office has led to this new program called Office Moms and Dads. You do a background check. Um, with your local DSHS office, and they'll put out um, emergency emails, sort of, I call it like an Amber Alert, if you will. Hey, department's bringing in a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Can anyone come, come sit with them till a placement is found? So it's awesome to see our community coming in, and they'll just hold the babies. They'll do a scavenger hunt. They find the kids the basics, a blanket. So, again. Keep them occupied for a while. Yep. And if that's your what you're good at. Yep. 
And, and then a, you get to go home and you know you've played your part of keeping those kids safe in the office in a traumatic time that they maybe got to play games and not focus on what just brought them into care. So, so there are a lot of different ways people can support uh, foster kids and fostering families and the parents who are having to give up their kids for a while and mm-hmm. you know, just... It's a big story, and there are a lot of different ways people can help. Fosteringtogether.org is a great place to find out how they can help, right? Absolutely. Yes, okay, fostering so together. Find your local liaison and call them. Yeah, we have been talking today with Erica Thompson and Nikki Hatzenbuehler, recruiter liaisons from uh, Fostering Together. Uh, thank you guys so much, Nikki and Erica, for being here today and sharing the needs of foster kids in our state. And gosh, a bigger thanks to what Fostering Together is doing for those kids. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community.